0: Good evening, if you are watching this after the fact, after the recording, just encourage you as always uh, to forward ahead about four or five minutes and you'll get to the start of class, otherwise just be patient and uh, we'll get going soon, thanks. Good evening, I see there's a few out there. Who's out there tonight? Hey, Pastor. Hey, Joel. Good evening to both of you. Good night for uh, good night for Bible study. After the week off, I'm wondering how many will remember to join us tonight. Who else do we have out there? Let us know who's here. We're going to be looking at Proverbs. We're going to be starting at chapter 16 tonight. So open those Bibles and uh, your worksheets, and we'll get ready. We'll give it our usual five minutes or so. you guys have a good labor day weekend pastor and joel glenn and jane and jean are here good evening to the three of you um welcome back glenn right you were gone i think you were visiting the the grandkids hope everybody had a nice weekend um it's it's a It's a bittersweet weekend, right? We're saying goodbye to summer, but that extra day sure is nice. Gets everybody a little bit of a chance to relax, and um, it was good. Got some family time in and some downtime. Hope you guys did too. Hope you guys did too. Good evening, Melissa. Hello to you as well. Pastor, glad to hear that. Um, Glad to hear that. Looking forward to this Sunday. Hope you guys are joining us for our church picnic. Uh, Really excited, uh, hoping for lots of people. Hope you can join us uh, this Sunday at 1030. Going to be a a fun event, I think. Judy, good evening and hello. Glad you're joining us tonight as well. There you go, Joel, a little bit of golf. Um, Did you hit enough good ones to make you go back? That's always the thing with golf, right? Like you want to get enough... A couple of good shots in, just to make sure that's enough to pull you back next time. It is six thirty-one. Uh, we have eleven devices on, so we're going to give it probably three minutes yet, just to make sure everybody gets a chance to find us. Everybody that remembers uh, that we have class tonight. Hi, Pam. Good evening. Welcome. Hope you had a nice weekend, and and glad you're back with us tonight. I appreciated the the off week last week. I was able to get up to Kettle and watch some vo- volleyball. So thank you for that. Ron and Joan are here. Good evening. Welcome. Good to have you back tonight. Our our numbers creeping up there a little bit. So another minute or two, we'll get going. excited to be back yeah it does feel a little weird doesn't it judy i that's the the hard part about labor day for me is man it's such a great weekend and then you get back to the office and it's like oh you you lost a day and now all the same stuff has to happen you just get a little bit less time so it did feel like a monday today for me especially um but but it was a good day and again it was worth it it was a good weekend All right, Proverbs 16 tonight. Hope you got your worksheets handy. Get your Bibles ready to go. I'm going to give it another another 60 seconds here, and then we'll start. A couple of regulars I haven't seen yet, so we'll give them another minute before we ju- jump in. All right, looks like we're... Holding steady here. Uh, Pastor lost track of his worksheet. Um, Can anybody help him out and quick send it over? I don't think Phil can join us tonight, so we aren't going to have the questions posted on the chat like he had been, um, unless he shows up here in the next couple of moments. Um, So if anybody is able to quickly shoot that over to Pastor, I could do it, but I'd have to close this window, and I'm not sure. Um, if that's ideal for the, the rest. Good evening, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Marge. Welcome. Good timing. All right, let's say our prayer here and then we'll get going. Hey, Bob, good evening. Hartford, Wisconsin. Glad you're with us, Robert. Uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the the weekend that we had, the extra long weekend of rest and and a chance to do some other things. We thank you also uh, to be together again tonight. We ask that you bless our study of your word. Increase our faith tonight, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Joel. So Pastor should have it in your uh, inbox if you look for it, if you want it. Phil is here. All right. Good evening, Phil. I just got done saying. I didn't know if you'd make it in tonight, so um, glad to have you back as well. All right. We are kicking it off here. Proverbs 16. Um, and no problem, Melissa. Two is better than zero, I think, so, so no problem. All right. Proverbs 16. Uh So we are in a section here where Solomon is just providing wisdom and advice on any number of topics, wide-ranging topics here in in the life of a Christian. Uh, So it does bounce around, and uh, we'll just jump right in. Verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Explain what that verse means in your own words. What is Solomon trying to get at there in verse 2? Phil's got it posted for you there. Um, What point is Solomon making? What, What is he trying to say there? All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Any thoughts on that? So Melissa says, everybody thinks that what they're doing is right. Nobody sets out to do the wrong thing, but God is the only one who really knows what is right. Um, Yeah, I think that's a a really good summary of it. The Meyer's also there. Everybody thinks he's a good guy, but God's the real ideal for comparison. Yeah, I, I think we all have, as Judy says it too, I think we all have a pretty glowing opinion of ourselves, right? I think people, us included, we tend to justify our own actions. So even if we aren't doing the right thing, we we convince ourselves somehow, some way, that it actually is the right thing and that we have good reasons and good motives to do it. Um, so so finally, I guess, you know, maybe another way to look at verse 2 is we can maybe fool ourselves, but you can't fool the Lord, right? Right. And we can convince ourselves and everybody else that it's right, and we've got good reasons for doing what we're doing. But ultimately, the Lord is the one uh, who makes that decision, who makes that call. So, verse two, maybe just a good reminder for us: be honest with ourselves, right? Let's uh, let's take a look at what God says, and let's be honest with ourselves about it. Let's not um, let's not justify things that that ought not be justified. Anybody else on verse two everybody there was was dialed in that was good so yeah joel so Joel says the human heart is deceitful um it, yeah it, to ourselves right and I think it certainly can be deceitful to others, but I think we're pretty good at uh fooling ourselves as well um I agree with you, Melissa. I think there's a lot of those in Proverbs, but this is a humbling verse. Um, so just just an encouragement, right? Let's let's always come, take our thoughts and hold them captive to God's word, so that um, they can be can be pure and and, and holy and righteous. All right, uh, not going too far down the line here. Next verse, verse three says, "Commit to the Lord whatever you do." And he will establish your plans. Uh, Question says here, what will happen when you put every undertaking into the Lord's hands? And how does uh, verse 4 maybe support the answer here a little bit too? What is God saying here in verses 3 and 4? And what is he maybe not saying? Um, I think we want to be careful and clear commit to the Lord, whatever you do, he'll establish your plans. Verse four, the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Uh, Judy says the Lord works it out to his own ends so that our plans will succeed. Um, yeah. So very often the things that we set out to do, God uses them, uh, for his own purposes, right. In his own way. Um, Ron and Jones say here, certainly we want God's will to be done. Um, so number three, um, maybe God's will is that our plan succeeds. Maybe God's will is that we tweak our plan and he sends us a different direction. But as long as we start by committing them to the Lord, he's going to bless it, right? Whatever direction it ends up taking. Um, Pam, that's a, a good way to say that, Um and I think there's a lot of times in, in my life, uh, in my ministry, I can look back and I can see that we started out with a plan. We asked God's blessing on it, and and he really took it a different direction. It was it was great, right? He established it. It just was maybe different than how we set out at the beginning. Um, and what a comfort that is. Any Any other thoughts there on three and four? Verse 4, I think you're all commenting, right? It's about God's will. Um, Melissa's got the extra or the the new NIV translation there. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, the Lord knows how it's going to work out. We don't, right? He guides it and blesses it. And notice at the end there, um, even the wicked, like he... He knows how this is all going to end, right? And he plays things out um, with us in mind and with them in mind as well. Yeah, pastor, that's interesting. Um, We don't always see it, right? We don't always see the path. Um, But as long as we follow his word, right, he he just kind of takes us where he wants us to go. Yeah. Isn't, do you have an example of that, Pam? Yep. So Pam says, I like when something I think is bad happens, but it turns out to be really good. Isn't it interesting to look back at your life and to see that play out? I, I have seen that as well in my own life. People, um, parishioners, I've served, uh, family too. Um, things happen and everybody panics. And and in the end, it turns out to be a, a blessing. Um, and that's not to downplay the the difficulty of, of the moment, right? But there are things, um, things that as we look back at them, maybe now in the rearview mirror don't seem as bad as, as they were at the time. Thanks for that. All right, uh, number three. How might verse seven help when one of your enemies is giving you a hard time? Phil's got it posted there. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes his, even his enemies live at peace with him. How does that help you when you think about um, some of the enemies? And they're out there. Um, you know who they are, right? The enemies that are giving you a hard time for your faith. How does verse seven help us out? Ron and Jones say that if we do what God desires, sometimes. Enemies become friends. Yeah, sometimes um sometimes the Lord works through our, our lives of faith, and the enemy ends up becoming somebody who is a friend, maybe even somebody who is a, a believer. So Marge says, But we try to make peace with him. Yeah, um which is just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, kill them with kindness, right, is maybe another way to say this. Um, Joel says, stick with the Lord's way. He's going to work it out. Uh, Meyer say, I'll just do what I know is right and let God handle the rest. Um, yeah, Romans 12 comes into play too here, Melissa. That's a good connection to make. Um, if we just simply let our light shine, if we live out our faith, if we are known to be humble and gracious, uh, if we are ambassadors of Jesus, um, that has positive impact on a lot of people. And you're not going to win everybody over, but you might be surprised. You might be surprised how uh, gospel living connects with people, especially in our day and age when when that maybe that's becoming more rare than it has been. All right, good. Anybody else on this, on those first couple of questions? Our next one um, skips a bit down in the chapter. So, question four takes you all the way down to verse 25. Verse 25 says, There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. So, the question there, uh, what ways seems right to a person contemplating adultery or to someone with an unplanned pregnancy or to someone who feels his or her employer has cheated him or her out of some pay? What are some examples of things that seem right to us, but in the end lead to death? Just feel free to share an example. You don't have to try to answer uh, all three of those in one post. There, are, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. In general, I think to a lot of people in this world, it appears to be right to say, well, I'm a pretty good guy, so I'm going to get to heaven. Um, that only leads to death, right? There is no good guy award uh, for heaven. So that's that's a way of the world that appears to be right. How about some of those other examples there from the question? Anybody have uh, an example to share? Judy says, what the world approves and tells us is okay? takes away from God's word. Yeah, in any of those examples, Judy, I think that would apply. Um, Whether it's adultery, whether it is terminating a pregnancy, whether it's um, feeling like it's okay to steal from your boss, um, all those things are, are, are ways that seem right in our own mind. Remember before we were talking about justifying ourselves, convincing ourselves that the thing that we're doing is right. Uh, but so often and that's the way the sinful nature works just so twisted so often in the end those things only lead us to death some examples being posted here we have abortion we have uh harboring ill feelings um rationalizing that god wants them to be happy i think that's a that's not new but it's popular right well god would want me to be happy right god would want me Uh, Yes and no, right? He wants us to be happy and blessed and content. But according to his will, will, right? In ways that are are pleasing to him. Anybody else here on this verse, 25? Things that appear to be right, but in the end, lead to death. And I don't know, you look around this world and... I think there's a lot of things right now that are being made to appear to be right. You just watch TV and entertainment and media now. So many things that a generation ago were clearly wrong are now appearing to be right. Um, Melissa, that's a really good example. Confusing politics and Christianity until the politics become more important than the faith. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good example. Um, and man, I, I, I could probably talk about that one for a while, but I, I think, yeah, God, our first calling here is not to change society, our first calling is to share the gospel. Um, now that can change society when we share the gospel, right? But there's a there's a there's a difference there. And first and foremost, we're, this is about Jesus. And I think uh, you hit on something there that can really, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but but I think it can really uh, get folks to be um, maybe overly focused on the wrong thing. Joanne says, phone did not work. iPad did not show text. <laughs> now she has no sound. Yikes. That's a little rough, Joanne. Um I'm glad you're here in some, fo- in some form, in some form. So you probably can't even hear what I'm saying to you now. So uh, hopefully you get that figured out. Um, thank you for the effort anyway. Anybody else have any question on chapter 16? Anybody else on chapter 16? Jane, I did not see your comment. No. I'm scrolling up and I don't see it there unless it was a long time ago. I did not see Janes. The Bedelovs are here as well. Good evening, Joan Marlene. All right, that brings us to the end of chapter 16. That brings us to the end of chapter 16. Phil is just highlighting a verse for us from Proverbs 16, verse 9. Uh, Reassuring that God determines the way of our future path. Yeah, that reinforces the the question from a little bit ago, doesn't it? Um, um, Yeah, I like that one too. I like the verse right before it, verse 8. That's a good verse for contentment. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Um, Not about all what we have. It's more about who we are. All right, that said, let's go on to chapter 17. Let's see what we got here. Um, So looking at verse 5 to start. Looks like we got another fan of verse 9 there, Pam. Pam says. Um, all right, Proverbs 17, starting verse 5. Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. A uh, question says, have you ever been secretly happy when you heard bad news about someone? And what makes a person feel that way? I'm guessing you've all felt it. Um Melissa, real quick, just wanted to point us to uh, verse 32. Agreed, Melissa. I think that's an important skill right now. Um, more and more, especially as God's people, if we want to win an audience, we, we got to be able to put that into practice. So thank you. To the question here, the Myers say, yeah, if someone's wronged me, I want him or her to get what she has coming. Um, yeah, so I think we feel that way a lot. Um so Jane, what's your question? So Jane is talking, uh, mentioning that abortion is in the spotlight now. Um, I, I think I can assume what your question is going, but if you could just flesh that out a little bit, just to make sure I get that one right. Um, all right, anybody else here on question one? what makes us feel that way when we celebrate when when someone something goes bad for someone um, it's jealousy it's pride right it's that sinful nature um, that wants wants to compare itself to somebody else right and if somebody else did poorly that i suppose reflects better on us right or that's the way we think about it um yeah Melissa thank you for stating it that way um some of these things are so hard, right and the spirit just has to work the spirit just has to work and um yeah that 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 is a strong temptation so thanks for being transparent about that one uh it's really hard anybody else uh to this question uh closely related here verse six talks about um maybe a different kind of pride. Uh, Joel says, sometimes we hope it might be God working to help them turn back to God. Um, Phil says, I think our brain likes to connect the dots and likes life orderly. All right. So Jane says, yeah, well, I, I can't imagine Jane that how difficult that would be. I can't imagine. Um, I, I think as God's people we want to be compassionate and understanding We also we also want to uphold uh, the gift of life that God gives uh, no matter how that life comes about it, it's it's a gift and it's our job to honor that and, and to preserve that but I can't imagine that that is a difficult situation um, and, and certainly that individual, needs jesus and his love and his grace and uh um yeah what a tough tough spot that would be all right uh so question two here note the wonderful way that parents and children benefit one another uh so verse six children's children are a crowned a crown to the aged and parents are the pride of their children um what is solomon getting at there how are sol- or how are children a crown to the aged, and, and how are parents the pride of their children? Mom and dad, you maybe never heard that from your kids. Um, what, uh, what's Solomon getting at here? Verse six children's children are a crown to the aged. Um, so, so first of all, what a blessing to be. A grandparent, right? In verse 6, that, that's what it's saying, right? Children's children are a crown to the aged. What a blessing to be a grandparent. Um, how about the, the other side of that one, though? How are parents the pride of their children? We all talk about our kids and our grandkids, right? And we have pictures. But how does it work the other way? How does it work the other way? How are parents the pride of of their children. Jane says we can be proud of our parents' wisdom. Yeah, I don't know if this happened to to any of you, but I think the older we get, our, our parents seem a whole lot smarter, don't they? Um, we're not so inclined to believe them uh, when we're teenagers, but the older we get, uh, the more wisdom they have. So we can be proud of their wisdom. Um, any other... Uh, Any other ways that parents can be the pride of their children? I I think of one example with my grandparents, I guess, uh, at a wedding. This was when Grandpa was still with us, um, maybe 10 years ago. Um, You know how at the wedding they do the dance, right? And, And they bring everybody out on the floor, all the married couples out on the floor, and then... And they whittle it down and whittle it down until the, the last couple standing is the one that's been married the longest. And uh, I just remember my grandparents out there, they're the only ones dancing. And it was 50 plus years, right? And, and I, I was proud as, as a grandchild to be able to see that. Pastor says, they kept us safe and educated us. Without them, we would not survive. Yeah, they've done so much for us, right? Judy says, as a family, we need to support each other, teach the word, Um Parents can be great examples to take pride in. Yeah, maybe you think of your parents and their their humble service at church. Maybe you think of your parents and um, their prayer life that they demonstrated for you. Right? There could be all kinds of examples. But as we get older, um, we appreciate those things. Anybody else there on number six? I mean, verse six. Melissa says, the more I grow, the more I understand that my parents weren't perfect. They really did the best they could. Yeah, you know, it's hard, right? Um, I think marriage and raising children are some of the most challenging yet most wonderful blessings that we have. Right, and it, it's hard, um, and we don't always know what we're doing as parents. Um, so I, I think that's a realistic approach too, Melissa. Just, hey, they weren't perfect. Um, they needed Jesus as much as I did, and and thank God they showed that to me. Right, they showed Jesus to me. Um, that's a that's a neat memory there, Marlene. That that's pretty cool. Yeah, good moments like that. Right. Um, what a blessing to have generations uh, that can learn from each other. All right, uh, number three. Let's go on here to number three. What often happens to little quarrels? Is it always best to drop the matter and leave it unresolved? Then look at verse 27. How can you keep a small matter from becoming a major dispute? So we're really comparing verses 14 and 27 what often happens to little quarrels. Um, So when is it appropriate to not start it up? And how do you keep things from from escalating to become a major dispute? Any thoughts here? When you compare verse 14, he says, drop the matter. Um, And verse 27 says, Use words with restraint. Uh, be even tempered. So, is it always best, first of all, to drop the matter before it explodes? And if not, uh, then how do you proceed? Any anybody have a thought here? Anybody have a thought? I guess maybe the, the main question, is it always best to drop the matter? So Judy says, don't lose your cool and blow a small matter into something big. Um, watch what is said to let it end. Uh, Yeah, it's not worth getting the last word in if it's going to escalate it, right? Uh, Linda, you and me both, by the way. You and me both. Uh, Joel says, "Restraint." Equals drop the matter if it is small. The Myers say, keep calm. Pastor Pastor says the same thing. Uh, not lose your temper, keep calm. How do you know if to drop it, if you should drop it, or, or if you should proceed? Um, maybe just ask the question, uh, what are we arguing about? Right? Is it something that's worth the time? Is it worth the discussion? Or is it something silly that that we don't need to to drag this out. Um, You're all on, you're giving good advice here, right? Uh, You choose your words carefully, control your temper, use restraint. And finally, sometimes we just need to be the person to let it go, right? Sometimes we just need the person to be the person to say, it's not worth this. It's okay. We'll go, we'll do it your way or whatever the case may be. Melissa has a good point though, right? Sometimes you need to talk about it instead of letting it fester and and you and the person probably only know the difference, right when when to let it go or when to when to speak up. Um, to Melissa's point though, all the advice that's coming in here is good. If you can't talk about it calmly, then then you really you can't talk about it. Um, Joanne, that's fantastic, right? If you're in a dispute, uh, begin with praying for each other um myers state your position hear the other person out uh pam i like that right you gotta know when to pick your battles right which hill is the one you're gonna die on um pick your battles you're not gonna win them all and it's probably not worth fighting them all either um and i like how she says sometimes peace is better than being right especially in trivial matters um Important to listen, right? Marlene says there, listen and gather your thoughts before continuing. Yeah, think before. And if that means you need to say, you know what, Um, let me think on this. Let me pray on this. Can we revisit this conversation in an hour or tomorrow morning, right? Um, Those can be helpful ways to proceed as well. All right, good stuff, everybody. Uh, Verse 28. Verse 28. Why is keeping silent advised in verse 28? Why is keeping silent advised in verse 28? And I also referenced James chapter 1 there. Phil is on his game tonight. He's got that posted in there for you too. So Judy says, "Don't store up past hurts and bring them up later." Um, I I suppose that could apply to the last question or to this one. I I'm assuming that was with the last question, but that is good advice. Um, uh, Melissa says, "It's like if you're going to say something that's really just not wise, if you don't say anything, no one knows the not wise thing you're going to say." Yeah, how's that? How's that go? Um, you know, some people might think you're a fool. Uh, how's that go? Um, best not to speak lest you remove any doubt, right? Something like that. Um, better to let people think you're wise and say nothing than and then prove them wrong by whatever comes out of your mouth. And that's what the Myers are saying there too. Um, yeah, silence uh, Silence is humility too, right? Silence. Um, tends to go along with with being humble. Any other thoughts on that one? Um, Yeah, Jane, that's the thing too. You might say something regrettable. And I think once it's out there, right, it's not coming back. So um, some good practical advice here. I think we all know the individual who knows everything about everything. or the person who thinks or talks before thinking. Solomon says, let's let's just pump the brakes on that a little bit, right? Let's let's be humble here. Let's let's be selective maybe. Phil is asking for thoughts on verse 17. Is it saying that true friends go through the good and the bad together or something else? So, uh everybody if you don't mind taking a peek at verse 17, he says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Um, anybody have a thought there before I jump in? And he says also, how good is verse 22? Verse 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Phil, that is that is good. Um, so much of life is what we make of it. And if we're going to be content and cheerful and happy in God's grace, that is going to have a huge impact on our life and on the lives of people around us. If we are going to be just a grump day in and day out, that is going to have an impact on us and the people around us too. Um, ver- yeah, I, thanks for highlighting that verse 22. Uh, verse 17. Verse 17. Anybody have a thought? Joanne says, uh, "Some oh, so back regarding the discussions from before, sometimes it's good to ask yourself, will this really matter six weeks from now? Yeah, and if the answer is no, then it's probably not worth the fight, right? So in response to Phil, the Myers say, a good friend and a good brother will stay with you through good times and bad. Um, Joel says he thinks the brother is there as a friend to help us in times of adversity. Um, And I think um, Proverbs does this a lot. It's a literary device, right? He'll make a statement. And then in the second statement, he just kind of ups it a notch, right? These are both good things. Um, A friend loves at all times. And even better, a brother is born for adversity, right? He's not pitting friend and brother against each other. Um, He's just saying they both are blessings. And um, brother doesn't have to be sibling in that verse. So, yeah, good thoughts there. I I think, um, I don't know that I have anything else to add. All right. Good enough. I don't know if we're going to get all our chapters tonight. We're going to go to to chapter 18. Chapter 18. Mm -hmm. Linda, can think of at least one individual who fits that verse. Um, And I hear that a lot about our people, by the way. Um, All these new people that have been coming, I I always ask, you know, what is it that draws you to Pilgrim? And uh, that's one of the two things they say is the the welcoming people that are here. All right, uh, chapter 18. So, He's going to talk a little bit about gossip here. Uh, So if you go down to verse 8. Verse 8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Why does he call words of gossip choice morsels? That's an interesting way to to describe that, right? Why does he call the words of gossip uh, choice morsels? Anybody, while you're looking that up, uh, oh, Judy says, we just love gossip, right? It is so appealing, right? It just tweaks our interest. We we get all excited. Um, Linda says, we relish gossip. Um, Melissa says, they go down really easy, mar- easy. March says, they gobble them up like candy. Yeah, good, good way to describe that, ladies. Um, tasty little tidbits that are easy to take in and digest. Yeah, we just gobble them up, right? And they go down quick. Um, but they are powerful. And um, they, they they stick around, don't they? And they, they maybe cause discomfort in the end. Um, a person once said that a gossip also has three victims. Uh, those three are the one who is doing the gossip, the one who is gossiped about, And the one who hears the gossip. Can you tell me how each of those is harmed by gossip? Just pick one. The gossiper, the gossipy, and the one who's listening to the gossip. How is each one of them harmed by these choice morsels? Just pick one and tell us how that person is harmed. Yeah, Marlene, that's a very descriptive way to say that too, right? A delicious delicacy. You guys are all Uh, creative with your imagery here tonight. All right, so we've got the person doing the gossiping, the one who's gossiped about, the one who hears the gossip. How is each one of those harmed in the process? Yeah, Linda. Buildings like that can be a a place where that takes where that happens. Okay, so the Myers say that there's deceit, right? Whether you're the one doing the lying or or being lied to, so there's deceit going on. Um, good. What else? I think there are other ways that that these people are harmed too. So Marlene says. Um, the one who's gossiped about is having their reputation ruined. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Pastor's got that one too there. Um, Melissa says there's the relationships are, are going to be harmed all around, right? And I think um, for the one who's gossiping, people aren't going to trust them anymore. Ah, uh, the one who's being gossiped about, as you said, the reputation is damaged. And Judy says they're the one who is hearing the gossip can be led astray. Their feelings can be poisoned uh, by it all. So a whole lot of harm to go around when it comes to gossip. Might not might it definitely is best to, just to avoid it altogether. yeah that's a good question, Joel. He says to the to the one receiving the gospel gossip is is that person someone I want to continue to build a friendship with, right? Because if they're gossiping to you about somebody else, guess what they're saying about you, right to, to the next person. Uh, so that's a good question. Good way to think about that. Uh, verse 14, um, what helps a person deal with an illness? or a handicap, uh, how does verse 14 help us out there? Yeah, Jane, I, that's good too, right? I, I might falsely think badly about someone. There you go, Linda. Good. That's a good approach. Just try to de- deflate it, right, just to uh, not let it continue. And you keep handing that stuff out. So Proverbs 18, 14. So we all face all kinds of things, right? And at one time in our life or other, there's injury, there's illness. Um, For some, it's maybe even more a way of life when they think about an illness or a handicap. Um, How can, what helps a person in verse 14? And how can you develop that spirit? Joan says physical health can be affected by emotional health. Uh, That that is true. That is true. And Linda, I'm glad to hear that. Anybody else here in verse 14? I I think as as I visit people, and I guess this is what Joan is saying, So much of it is our outlook. A positive, optimistic spirit uh, can be a big blessing for us. And how do you develop that? How do you develop that positive, optimistic spirit? Judy says, Jesus took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. When I read that, it brings me peace. And that's really the answer to the question, isn't it? It's, It's growing in Jesus. Um, it is knowing Him, trusting Him, confidence in Him, in His goodness and mercy. That's what fills us with that spirit. Yeah, that's that's an insightful comment, Pam. Um, your heart's full. Is it? What's it full of? Is it joy in Christ, or is it something else? Um, and I think the more you fill that up with Jesus the more that spirit will resonate, right, and shine. Linda, that just tells me you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You keep it up, okay? You keep it up in there. <clears throat> All right, uh, last question here chapter 18. What advice is Solomon giving us uh, in verse 17? I got, verse 17 is so, I can relate to that verse so well. It says, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross examines. What advice is Solomon giving? And I cannot, I cannot underscore this enough. Um, This is so huge as I work with families and individuals and counseling and all these kinds of things. This is such huge advice. Verse 17. What is Solomon saying here? Judy says, don't jump to conclusions before hearing the whole case. Ryan and Jones say, hear both sides before forming an opinion. Um, Phil says, everybody has their perspective. Um, yeah, get all the facts, Marlene says. You you need to hear both sides of the story. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, it's so important because we all do it, right? We all tell things in a way that makes us look good. Um, e- even, even when we're being honest. And I, there's so many times where I've felt like, huh, That sound, and then you hear the other side, and it just—it's never the—it's always opposite, right? So, um, get all the facts. Um, Everybody, so everybody's on top of that one, right? Just don't assume, and and this really defeats some of the gossip from before, too, right? If if we're gonna get both sides of the story here, we maybe aren't gonna be so quick to believe some of that gospel, and just speak the truth, right? As Jane says, that's good advice as well. All right, uh, a little bit quickly here. Let's see if we can get into Proverbs 19. Judy, that is becoming more important all the time, isn't it? Um, And difficult, too. And, Joel, you're right, neither side is blameless. Um, It's pretty rare when it's 100%, 0% of the fault in whatever the situation is. All right, Proverbs 19, what does verse 2 encourage us to do? Excuse me? What does verse 2 tell us to do here? Verse 2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? So basically, think before you act, right? Uh, hasty feet, miss the way. Slow down, think it through, plan it out, uh, pray on it, then make your decision, right? Desire without thinking it through ain't going to help anybody. Marge says, "Don't." I like how you said that, Marge. Don't rush into something you know little about. Ah, Judy, yeah, even God's word, we should know it before we spread it, right? Become knowledgeable about it and then become zealous of spreading it. Um, So, yeah, let's grow in wisdom so that our zeal can be better directed, right? I think is what you're saying. Very good. Um, And in general, again, think before you act. All right, question two. According to verses 5, 9, 15, 16, 19, and 29, What will be the outcome for those who live unrighteously? And does it discourage you when you don't see this happening? Um, And how do you deal with that? So to speed the process up, I'm going to just kind of give the first question here. What will be the outcome for those who live unrighteously? Uh, Punishment and death is coming. Penalty is coming. Um, But let's have you focus on the next question. Does it discourage you? When you don't see this happening, when you see unbelievers in the world prospering, do you get discouraged? And how do you deal with that? What are your thoughts there? What thoughts do you have? When the unrighteous seem to prosper, do you get discouraged? And how do you deal with that? So, Judy and Ron and Joan are kind of on the same path there, that remembering God has the final say here, right? God has the final word. So, patience is what you're saying, right? Be patient. Um, Psalm seventy-three maybe comes into play here. Uh, he he really was wrestling with that; he was really struggling with how the wicked were prospering. Pam, I like that. Pam says, "I just ask God to figure it out." I, that's the perfect answer, isn't it? You're not you can't control it. You you have no say in the matter, right? Like like God do His thing, right? Uh, you got other stuff to focus on. Linda says, pray. Um, Pastor says, not discouraged, but frustrated. And that's natural to feel that way, right? As we look at the world around us. um, The devil's working hard too, and, and that ought to frustrate. But let God, as Pam says, right? Let's ask God to figure it out. Jane says, I saw this on a plaque. Love everyone. I'll sort them out later. God. Yeah, that's the parable in the New Testament, right? The weeds and the wheat. God says he will figure it out in the end. That's not our job. Um, not our job. All right, and as great as they have it now, uh, Joe and Marlene remind us, they're not going to last forever unless they have faith in Jesus. All right, uh, verse 14 talks about marriage. Um, what ought to be the first thing a young man does when he or she thinks about marriage, verse 14? Um, you can get lots of things from mom and dad, but if you want a godly spouse, where does that come from? That comes from God, doesn't it? And so what young people ought to be doing is praying. Seeking God's wisdom, as Melissa says, and praying for that godly spouse. I assume you're already doing it out there, moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, but if you aren't, start praying for that spouse of your kids and grandkids. Uh, start praying that they find a godly one. Um, lots of prayer. And, and Judy, that the pre-marriage counseling sure is a good thing too, isn't it? Um, really good, really good idea. All right, um, it is 722. Let's see if we can knock out Proverbs 20 here. So question one looks at verse seven. Solomon talks about a blameless life there. Uh, The righteous man leads a blameless life. Although Solomon also made it clear, nobody can say, I've kept my heart pure. I am clean and without sin. So um, what exactly does it mean to live a blameless life? It says that about a lot of people in the Bible, Abraham, David, others. Um, What what does he mean? How can you lead a, a blameless life? And blessed are their children after them. But um, how can you lead a blameless life? We can't be perfect. Solomon points that out. Um, Nobody can say they're without sin. So blameless is a word that describes the believer. It describes the righteous. It doesn't mean sinless. Um, It means they aren't continuing in their sinful action. It means they're living an upright life means they're not downplaying their sin they're not unwilling to confess their sin right they it's not the same as sinless but it is a desire to not continue the sin it is a desire to live for god to live out your faith right it's it's living as a believer i guess in short um and yes it involves repentance as you say it involves regular conversation with god um So again, blameless doesn't mean sinless. Abraham was not sinless. David was not sinless. Those Old Testament guys were not sinless. But they were always repentant, um, willing to leave their sin and live an upright life. And and that blameless describes them. Pastor describes it there to being motivated by love for God. Um, and others. It's not about us, right? It's about others. Uh, Jane, yes. Through Christ, that's how God sees us. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why they could say that about Abraham. Um, it was his faith in the promise that that made him blameless. Everybody, yeah. You're, you're. Everybody summarizing that well. Um, so, just talking a little bit more about an upright life, then. Uh, when does that begin? If you look at verse eleven, when does this upright life begin? And Ron and Joan, you're absolutely right. We are not, or we are redeemed sinners, but but not perfect people by any means. And we know we aren't ever going to be. Um, we'll strive for it. You know that that's what that's our goal. But we're not. Going to be, but thank God Christ was for us. Uh, in Christ, we are perfect. Number two, real quickly here, upright living begins uh at childhood, right? As soon as there's faith, they, they can live it too. Um, and how often, by the way, how often, by the way, does Jesus use children as models of faith? Um yeah, Phil, yeah, we, we've heard that before, but Scripture says children have faith too and in fact Jesus often uses them as models of faith um, I I don't know if he uses it more often than he does with others but it's pretty frequent in the New Testament so certainly faith can have and anybody if you want to come and do a, a preschool devotion you'll see it you'll see the the faith of kids um, it's clear and it's it's often. Less less questioning than ours is. All right, let's get in our last one here. Sorry to speed it up at the end. Number three, how might verse 21 apply to parents who give their children everything they ask for or to a person who wins the lottery or to a person who receives a windfall inheritance at a young age? Verse 21, an inheritance quickly gained at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. What is Solomon's very good advice there? First Timothy six uh, is a good reference for this verse. Um, First Timothy six has a lot to say about the stuff of this world and contentment. So Judy says something gained without earning it is often appreciated, but wasted. Um, uh, Probably underappreciated, right? And certainly wasted. Melissa says it's like the prodigal son squandering it. There's really no get rich, get rich quick scheme. Can't rush it along. Um, Unappreciated, Judy said. Yeah, yeah. um, Both of you, good, good observations there. Um, And finally, you know, hasn't money and material things spoiled an awful lot of people? Um, And I think that's what Solomon's getting at here. Um, All that much stuff too soon can can really be a a bad thing and there's you've probably heard the studies about what happens to lottery winners the vast percentage of them really struggle um marge says quick wealth can cause a person to become arrogant yep absolutely and so in all things right solomon he so often encourages us just to take the middle road Right And um, trust in God and, and focus on the blessings we have in Christ. Anybody else? Uh, I felt like I went a little quick there the last two chapters. But anybody else have thoughts, questions, observations they want to share here tonight? Judy says, making things easy for our kids doesn't teach them how to deal with life. Yeah, there's a fine line, right? And I think it's good to, to, to bless and to give. Um, but it's also, I think one of the best things that I had to do growing up was work for my, uh, education and, um, that helped teach me an awful lot of things. Um, so yeah, as a parent, we don't want to give everything, right? We want to make sure they have an opportunity to, to work and to learn and to grow, Absolutely, Jane. Um, I I think we all are tempted that way, but especially a young person, perhaps. Um, Yeah, and and there's all kinds of things that you can depend on rather than God. Um, and, And getting too much too soon sure wouldn't help with that either. Anybody else? Observations, comments based on this section from Proverbs. Good to be back with you. Um, I believe the next two, excuse me, in that schedule I sent out, I'll be I'll be watching my kids in sports the next two Tuesdays. Um, Phil's got it right there. So I will see you, actually, I will see you in two weeks on the 20th. So nothing next week, but we'll be back on the 20th. Um, but notice there on the 20th, I, we would have to start an hour later. Let's let's just vote on that right now. On September 20th, could we start at 7.30 or not? If the answer is no, then we're going to be off for a while. But if you're going to be available on the 20th at 7.30, um, is that going to work for everybody? So right now, if you could, please post Does 7.30 on the 20th work? Please post your answer to that. Jane says, can I look at verse 30? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting verse, isn't it? So it looks like the overwhelming majority here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight say yes, 7.30 next week, and we got one no. Um, so based on that representation, I think we'll probably do it next week. Um, eight out of nine is pretty high percentage. Sorry, Ron and Joan, but I think I'm going to say let's do that next week, 730. Um, Jane says, uh, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, in two weeks. not ne- Thank you, Melissa. Not next week. In two weeks, September 20th, 730. Jane says, look at verse 30. Blows and wounds cleanse away evil and beatings purge the inmost being. What what is Solomon saying there? He is not giving us the green light um, to abuse or, or to beat people up. But what is his point there in verse 30? I think he is saying that stern punishment is necessary to curb wickedness uh, the, the the note here in my study Bible says something similar that this the, this kind of discipline or, or stern punishment um, restrains evil um, so I think that's what he's getting at there um, and not at this point not necessarily gonna jump into a commentary and, and the right ways to discipline but um, stern punishment can be a, a way to curb evil. All right, anybody else? Thanks for, for coming out. Really good to see everybody tonight or be seen by everybody tonight. Um, so we'll be at it again in two weeks. So that'll be Proverbs 21 through 25. Two weeks from tonight, Proverbs 21 through 25. All right. Blessings to everybody. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us tonight. I'm looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to the next one. All right, I'll give everybody uh, a moment or two to to sign off here, and then I'm going to do the same. Thanks, everybody. Glad to have you tonight. (laughs) That's funny, Joanne. Yeah, bless you too, Pastor. You're welcome, Melissa. Everybody, have a great night. Uh, see you this. See you two weeks from tonight. We'll continue Proverbs. God bless.